Hey movie fans, and welcome back to another episode of the Uncharted Media Podcast. This is episode 169. So, movies are essentially just a collection of still images placed together back at a fast speed of 24 frames per second. Basically, just a whole bunch of moving images in front of us. Well, there's certain images, specific snapshots in movies, that if you pause the movie at just the right moment... It can tell the whole story. It can be a beautiful image in and of itself. It could be a wallpaper. You just pause the movie at the right point and go, oof, I need that on my laptop. That's what we're going to be talking about this week. Specific snapshots, specific moments in movies that were just like, oh, that either conveys the story beautifully in just that one image. It's gorgeous to look at. It's just cool to see. Anything that really inspires or... Uh, makes us feel things just from one specific image we're not looking at full scenes or full movies just one snapshot in time for these specific movies one per movie we don't have a set list but just one per movie of specific shots in movies that were like oh we're blown away by the time and dedication that went into that but first before we get into all that josh how you doing tonight I'm chilling, my dude. Like, ah, dude, it feels like we don't talk often enough and like only on the podcast. It's so, like, it's just great to. Well, we communicate through what? memes. Yeah, we, yeah, we do communicate in memes, unfortunately. I, uh, I recently through conversations with, unfortunately, people younger than I am, um, realized how much of a meme lord I am. And uh, that was a very sobering reality, to say the least. What, you're old? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like how I mainly communicate through GIFs and memes nowadays. And it's like, um, yeah, that probably should not be the case. Yeah, I'm one of those people that if you're one of the people that follows me on Twitter, more or less the official Uncharted Media Twitter handle. So uh, I believe mm -hmm. it's either Uncharted Media or Media Uncharted. You follow me there. I, I can't like not either comment or post something without a GIF attached to it at some point. Mm -hmm. And I'm like... Mm -hmm. Are human words failing me? Uh, I have not really watched anything this past week. Heather and I watched Moneyball again because it's that time of year. And God, it's such a beautiful movie. I almost put that on our discussion later today. Some shots of Moneyball. But I'm just like, the whole movie is like chicken soup for me in terms of its cinematography and its overall feel. But have you been watching anything lately? I have watched absolutely nothing this week. And that is because I finished two books this week. Um, I finished, I texted you as soon as I did, I finished Half-Blood Prince, um, which easily was as close as, as an adult as I have gotten to a religious experience. Um, that there was laughter, there was cry, there was definitely was crying. Um, should not have tried to finish the audiobook driving home from work. Um, oh, trust me. I've been in that exact same situation that you're dude, talking about. Yeah, it was... That was rough. There was a couple of moments I had to stop, pull over, and just like let that emotions like hit. Um, and then actually this afternoon I finished uh, Mistborn by um, Brandon Sanderson, and it's peak. It's so good. Like it's one of those slow burn um, fantasy books that like you know the back the first two thirds are like they're good, and you can tell we're going somewhere, and so you're along for the ride, but it kind of takes a little bit of time. But then I, dude, 
when that last like third of the book opens up and just decides to go hard in the paint, like golly, that was that was a good time. And I actually already own the second one, so I'll be starting that here soon after I read a book that I've had in my Kindle for like a month <laughs> that I've been meaning to read. But uh, yeah, other than that, I haven't really watched anything. Um, oh, the I know struggle. I've, I've, yeah, after this recording, I know that me and my brother and my dad are going to go watch the first episode of Moon Knight, my dude. Same. I'm, I'm going to chop this episode excited. up and make some very late dinner with some Moon Knight, I think. I'm, I'm excited. I'm really excited. Oh, also, Moon Knight tonight, but also uh, Young Justice second half of season four starts tomorrow, so I'll be getting up early for that. I am I know we're going to continue with these like four episode mini arcs. I don't like them. I don't. I miss the team interplay. I I know that they're trying something different this season, but I really hope for next season if it happens because it still hasn't been confirmed. If it happens, I'd I'd like to not go to these mini arcs. Like we are this far into the season, we're in the second half of the season, and Dick Grayson has only had one line. I think like there's so many characters that I'm like I love this character and this character. I haven't seen them yet, but I'm so glad I've spent four episodes with this character. I'm just, I miss the team interplay, but I feel that. And I haven't watched since the first two episodes that we watched at uh, DC fandom. So I should probably catch up with that. This season is okay. I'm still concerned of, I don't know what the bigger picture is yet. And normally by the halfway point, I kind of do, but yeah, agreed. boys, there's some random news this week. Kicking us off this week for movie news is a trailer that kind of just dropped out of nowhere. They're like, oh, hey, remember that like other Tom Cruise high profile (laughs) movie that he's got coming out? Here's the trailer for it. And we're all going, oh, oh, yeah, that that was a thing, right? Yeah, that's a thing. It, It was it was weird. They're just like, oh, yeah, by the way, the trailer for top the new trailer for Top Gun Maverick out now. I'm going up. Oh, thanks for the heads up, guys. So I watched it. I don't know if I like it as much as that first trailer, because that first trailer was so good. But I still like this trailer enough. I like it doesn't kill my excitement. This is coming from someone who doesn't particularly care for the original Top Gun. I really (laughs) don't understand the hype. I really don't. If you look at Top Gun... There's no plot. There's no story. Like, it's just dudes that have trouble expressing their true feelings about each other to one another. Um, Yeah. It's very much that. It's 300 before 300. (laughs) But there's no story there. However, I've been excited for this one because some of the camera work has just looked spectacular. Like... The aerial sequences in the original Top Gun are pretty impressive for their time. And even nowadays, they're they're pretty good. But looking at some of the shots that they achieved in this, I'm going, wow. Again, Tom Cruise, did you really need to learn how to pilot a fighter plane just for this movie? Like, is that necessary? Because I know that was a big reason why this got delayed for so much is, well, obviously COVID, but two, so he could pilot the thing himself. I'm going, really? But some of the shots look outstanding. The music is phenomenal. Like, I've mm-hmm. never cared about the Top Gun theme. It 
maybe because I came to the movie so late, I wasn't familiar with the music until I saw the movie. I was like, oh, it's fine. The music for this is excellent. Even if it's just the same song with two different variations, they've got the traditional, <laughs> it's a serious trailer. So we're playing the original theme on a slowed down piano and then we'll do an epic version of it in the second half. But it was cool. Um, I like, but don't love Miles Teller as an actor. I'm curious to see what he brings to the table. Um, yeah, I, I'm excited for this. It's not high on my hype list, but I'm yeah. still very much excited to see this. And I will say when this does come out, I will want to see it on the biggest screen possible because this feels like one of those that needs to be seen on like an IMAX or a big Dolby screen because of how it was shot. But yeah, no, I agree. I definitely agree. I, I personally, there's only one thing, one bit of information that's kind of new from the last trailer and that's like that they're actually gonna be going into battle and not just like what a novel concept i know right and not just like this whole movie's a training montage which is what the first top gun is um so that's cool i'm kind of excited uh i don't know how much i can take getting that weird close-up of tom cruise's face with with everything uh, with all the gear on his stuff and, and stuff but uh you know I'll, uh if i see it it's gonna be in a big screen like i i agree with that i think this is one of those movies that uh you almost have to see it on the biggest screen possible just be just to get the full effect so the trailer clearly hints that someone's gonna die yeah. um and our buddy michael insists that it's tom cruise i'm going this was before this trailer i'm going after seeing this trailer are you sure about that, Michael? Because we clearly see Tom Cruise like stamping in the insignia into the coffin. I don't think he's the one that dies. I also don't think it's going to be Goose's kid, as funny as that would be of just <laughs> another Goose gets cooked in a Top Gun movie. I would love that. Um, I think it's actually going to be that cocky Captain America knockoff looking dude. Yeah, yeah. That kind of looks like no, discount Steve Rogers. Um, <laughs> either that, or they're gonna kill Iceman off off screen. Uh, I like I appreciated that they had an Iceman reference in this because yeah. Val Kilmer clearly is not in a position due to unfortunate circumstances in his own life that he like wouldn't be able to have a speaking role in this movie or a very large presence. But I I like how they treated it of like okay he's still around but he's got this he's an admiral now he's just got this picture cameo so to speak. Um, which looks good, by the way. That it was a very good-looking picture, but I've, you know, it is, it is what it is. I think at the end of the day, like when the, what this comes down to is, um, it, it's gonna. I don't think the death is gonna be any particular character that we're gonna that we're <clears throat> quote unquote supposed to care about. Um, unfortunately, I, I'm not looking beyond the surface level level on this movie. I it's it's a Top Gun move, so like. It's kind of like when they announced Real Steel. Like the the bar is very low for me going into this movie as far as expectations. So we'll see what happens. This trailer, like you said, the trailer like doesn't get me any less hyped. I'm, I'm probably gonna end up seeing it, but yeah. I, I don't know about you, but I completely forgot that John Hamm was in this. I was like, yeah, same. Oh, that's, <laughs> that's John Hamm. Cool. <laughs> he looks like a grumpy curmudgeon in this. He's great he at does. doing that. Um, but yeah, the cast looks like a solid mix of like known people and unknown people like you know cruise you know teller you know um ham i get i just 
I'm excited for this. It's not high on my hype list, but I'm significantly more excited than I should be for a movie that I didn't actually care for the original. But the camera work in this has looked really impressive. Music should be really good. So we shall see. A movie on the flip side, though, that I'm actually a lot excited for, if if it even is a movie, that we don't know what it is at the current moment but that is a nova project that supposedly has been officially announced by kevin feige i don't fully know the context of when he said this or why he said this maybe he was promoting something with moon knight because that they were doing some press for that but he all but confirmed hey we're doing a nova project for disney plus he didn't specify if it was a movie or tv series and maybe they don't even know at this point but they said they're moving forward with a nova project and it's going to be written by the guy that wrote moon knight i don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing uh this time next week josh and i will be able to give you our first thoughts on the first episode of moon knight because we haven't watched it yet uh, it's getting pretty decent reviews, and people are saying it's very different for the MCU, which gets me excited. But you and I have both been asking for Nova for a really long time. One, because we like the character. Two, we like the character via Ultimate Spider-Man. And three, it feels like the one character in the MCU that has had a dangling plot thread the longest. Because, yeah. one... The Nova Corps got introduced in the first Guardians of the Galaxy in 2014, and then we heard via Thanos that um, Xandar and the Nova Corps was decimated right before Infinity War. So is that where Richard Ryder comes in? Now, again, we are speculating that it's Richard Ryder, the like the most famous Nova Corps. Mm-hmm. Um, Feige didn't specify whether or not it was Richard Ryder, but I would imagine that's who it will be, but it feels like there's been Nova talk ever since the first Guardians of, is he going to show up in Guardians 2? Is he going to show up in Infinity? I remember there's talk of him showing up in Infinity War as like a, mm-hmm. I avenge my fallen comrades. Uh, but this this feels like something that's been in the ether or in the back of people's brains for a little bit, at least the people in creative. I would like to see this a lot one i thought nova's design is one of the coolest designs out there but two he opens up a world of cosmic opportunities and i think that's the direction that we could be going soon uh i know a lot of people were speculating that after endgame that we could be looking to the stars i think if we're sorting this by phases phase four is all about multiverse stuff with (laughs) um loki WandaVision hinting at a little bit, full force of Spider-Man, and it's absolutely going to be ramped up with Doctor Strange. I think this is the multiverse phase, and then I wouldn't be surprised if um, it culminates in a Secret Wars-esque story, and then, not Volume 5, Phase 5 is where we kind of really expand the universe literally as we go cosmic. Maybe that's where we get introduced with Fantastic Four. Maybe there were people that got stranded in space because... They are explorers, after all. We can get some Galactus. We can get some... We're already getting um, the Marvels, the Captain Marvel sequel. I'd imagine that's going to be cosmic in nature. Uh, On a scale of 1 to 10, where would your hype level be for for this Nova project? Yeah, I think it kind of depends on what we're going to do with it. Um, The thing about about Nova is that you can easily make it like a knockoff Green Lantern-esque kind of story. 
uh, and just have like a Nova core like they did in the Guardians, but then actually have a bunch of people that are like Nova. And it's just, there's potential to be kind of boring there. But um, I, I, I'm, I'm willing, I think once we see Moon Knight, I'll kind of get, a, get an idea of like, oh, okay, I see what this writer's bringing to it. Um, but that's all I get. I, 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 the hype is there. It definitely is. And I think part of that's from the Ultimate Spider-Man days. Uh, there is a p- small part of me that doesn't want, like, Richard, doesn't want, like, a go-to Nova. Um, I genuinely, I just think I would like a younger, uh, a, a younger Nova to kind of build. And, again, this is so just pulled from ultimate spider-man just have that kind of team up have like a small team of younger heroes that nova can be a part of because i think we have a lot of adult superheroes in marvel and i think well we are kind of building the young avengers up we kind of are and so i think nova would be would be a good opportunity to kind of go that direction and maybe I, I just I don't I'm not as familiar enough with the Nova like storyline and origin and all that stuff to really have like an actual opinion on it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it if it gets connected to um, Captain Marvel at, at the very least, uh, just like as a cameo or as a training thing or what have you, because she's still kind of connected to the to the Nova Corps and all of that. So. I think here's my kind of really out of left field thought that I have. There's something that's even more connected to the Nova Corps, and I talked about it earlier. The Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. but not where we think it will show up. If I had to put money on it, I think this new Nova could show up in the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special on Disney Plus, because James really? Gunn. James Gunn has said. We are introducing a really iconic Marvel character, a big name character, into the holiday special. It'll go specifically to Disney Plus, like this Nova project will be. And James Gunn, more than any other MCU director currently, has the most experience working with the Nova Corps because they are first introduced hmm. in his movie. Yeah. I don't think it'll be Guardians 3. I think they'll be focusing on other things like the high evolutionary and adam warlock yeah Um, we already know that they're gonna be there but nova showing up in this holiday special that could be a thing that really i can totally see that turn some eyes i that's just my off the top of my head but i'm there's enough clues there that i'm kind of i'm standing a little more firm on it than usual than just a shot in the dark yeah i mean i think it makes the most sense for James Gunn to to introduce Nova um, at the very least. As Before he leaves for DC. Yeah, he's totally leaving for DC. Um, there's no doubt about it at this point. But I don't hate that at all. Uh, I, I Part of that's as a DC fan, but also just I think there's only so much James can do in, in, the, in the Marvel Universe. Um, yeah, I'm down. Sure. Why not? Um, I think... With if Xandar truly is decimated, then the Nova Corps is going to have to build from scratch. So they're going to need some sort of champion. I don't know. And now it is time 
to talk about the most beautiful man in the world finally being one of the most iconic horror characters of all time as Nicholas gosh darn cage will be playing Dracula and we have our first official look now normally we don't talk about set leaks because there wasn't there are things that have been leaked out that mm-hmm. the studio never intended you to see. However, given that this showed up, these pictures showed up in People magazine, it was clearly approved ahead of time by the studio. That being said, God, I love this look so, so much. <laughs> There's so many little details. Like, I love that the red is like ridiculously oversaturated. To the point of, like, if this is in black and white, that's going to pop a lot more. I don't think it's going to be in black and white, but that would be awesome. Or if there's black yeah. and white sections. um, I like that all the little pieces I'm looking at now. I like that all the little pieces have echoes of previous Dracula incarnations. He's got the Widow's Peak of Bela Lugosi, uh, the pendant, and also the really bright red kind of makes me think of the gary oldman one from bram stoker's francis mm-hmm. ford coppola dracula uh i also love that we're either in the middle of or on the verge of a huge cagesance because i don't know if you've checked the rotten tomatoes score for the unbearable weight of massive <laughs> talent or not not recently it's in the high 90s dude a boy and everyone's like yeah, it's a loving Nicolas Cage watch. I'm like, y'all slept on the beautiful man that is Nicolas Cage. Some of y'all saw Pig, and oh my gosh, he's amazing in Pig. I feel mm-hmm. like he's on the verge of some really big things. Because um, yeah, I think Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent is like his first like major studio project in yeah a very long time. Uh, which I love that he came out recently in an interview. He's like, yeah, I. I know I did all those like directed DVD movies, but those were to pay off debts, which we we already kind of knew. But he's also said, "I stand by all those movies. I gave one hundred and ten percent in every movie." Which you and I have been saying that forever, yeah. even yeah. terrible movies. He gives a hundred percent, and I expect nothing less for this. I said it before; I'll say it again. I have a love hate relationship with the director of this movie, Chris McKay. I love Lego Batman movie so so much. Um, and then I got super excited in 2017. Chris McKay directing live action Nightwing movie. I lost <laughs> my mind. And then he's like, well, the script is taking is taking longer than usual. I'm going, okay, that that's fine. That's fine. Chris McKay is working on a Dungeons and Dragons movie. I'm going, oh, cool. You're doing after the Nightwing movie. Actually, I'm doing Dungeons and Dragons first. Oh, then you're coming back to do Nightwing. Uh, actually, uh, I'll get around to Nightwing. But before I do that, I'm going to do Renfield. I'm like... The heck is Renfield? <laughs> like, just just focus on the task at hand, man. Which the Nightwing thing, I might be coming back to that eventually, but that that's a topic for we'll another see. day. Um, I like the design here. They're clearly going for a horror comedy route, mm-hmm. judging by some of the names attached to this movie. Uh, also, my doppelganger Nicholas Holt will be in it. I think he's a really talented actor in most roles he kind of phoned it in his beast in the later x-men movies but so did some of the other cast looking at you j-law uh but josh you see the beautiful magnificent caged man that is Mm. nicholas Mm. as dracula Mm. thoughts this literally don't like and what's crazy is i think 
if you took away the people logo and put took away the Renfield uh, attachment, I would literally just think that this is Nicolas Cage throwing money at doing a cosplay of Dracula. Like it because it's it's then that's that's not a knock on quality. That's like this just looks like Cage is like, yeah, see, I got the the widow's peak from that and the red to reference some of this other stuff. Like, how is that not? <laughs> you know what it looks like? It looks like Marilyn Manson cosplaying Nicolas Cage. Yes! Yes! Exactly! Like, uh... The beautiful paintball, the beautiful paintball. (laughs) I removed a rib. Uh, Like, it's just so good. It looks great. I love that the the fingernails look like claws. Like, there's just so much to like here. Um, Did you see... And I don't know if this was an interview for this coming up or whatnot but he he's recently found out what getting caged is yeah is, i saw that which is so fantastic he's like this is, he literally just goes am i am i having a trip like is this a real thing there's no way this is a real thing like yeah bro you are love it's like when brendan frazier found out that uh the internet loves him that the internet loves him i was like yeah this is wholesome love this um, but I'm excited. Like I, I have no real attachment to whether or not if this movie's good or not. But if we get a Renfield movie with a what we do in the shadows vibe, I will not hate this at all, at all. Also, um, from everything we've seen, this is the actual like text logo for the Renfield mm-hmm. movie. Which, if that's the case, oh, I love it because that's the actual Dracula logo mm-hmm. from the original Dracula poster like the colors right the fonts right the angle is right so i'm going okay so if they're willing to pay attention to the little details like that then i have total faith that they'll pay attention to the little details and other things uh also really like chris mckay's the tomorrow war that's another one that Mm -hmm. um he did that i enjoy it's not the best but chris mckay makes good popcorn flick movies sometimes Mm -hmm. with extra heart like lego batman so this is definitely rising up the ranks of my most anticipated movies because I was listening to a podcast earlier today that was talking about Tucker and Dale versus evil. One of the greatest yeah. movies ever made. And they tried to list horror comedies. And when you really get down to it, the list of movies that are both good at horror and good at comedy are really small. Typically mm-hmm. it's one or the other. That's why I love Tucker and Dale so much. Cause it strides that line. If we can get another great horror comedy down here, like, Tucker Dale versus Evil, like Cabin in the Woods, of something that's creepy, but is aware of what trope it's following. Mm-hmm. It could still be scary, but funny. Oh, count yeah. me in, because I love to laugh, but I love to be scared. I think that's why I love the pairing so much, but it's so hard to get right. Yeah, and I can totally see, like, I think the funniest thing in my brain that I can see for the for this film is... Uh, it's color all the time until Dracula get gets mad at Renfield and then it switches to black and white for some reason. Ah, no, no, there's so much to love, and I, I just think I'm excited to see what what we do with this. Listen to them, children of the night. What music <laughs> they make. I don't drink wine. I just, I just need the bad. Nicholas Cage voice to say some of the iconic <laughs> Bella Lugosi lines. I just, I just need it because why not? <laughs> also, if you're doing a superhero casting bingo card, 
this is not one of the ones that I would have anticipated anytime <laughs> soon. And yeah. that is, we have the main villain for the upcoming Blue Beetle movie starring Sholo Maraduena from Cobra Kai as Jaime Reyes. We have Basic Instinct Sharon Stone playing Victoria Cord. Now, for those astute listeners or viewers at home that know their DC Comics history, Sharon Stone has already been a villain in a DC Comics movie quotations around dc comics as she was the bad guy in the catwoman movie that okay <laughs> very quickly became high on josh and i's list of worst movies that we've ever watched like Dude, if you make a terrible. guide of how to make everything wrong in a movie top of the list is catwoman maybe above the room because the room had no budget and it was made by amateurs catwoman was made by professional quote-unquote professionals that being said, I have two minds of this. One, I think Sharon Stone's a great actress, so I'm really excited mm-hmm. to see what she brings to the mm-hmm. table here. Two, them announcing the name kind of may hint for the first time ever about the plot. So for those that don't know, Victoria Cord will be a completely new character for this movie. However, the last name is not made up. Ted Cord is the second Blue Beetle and probably the most well-known Blue Beetle. Mm-hmm. I would not be surprised at all. And my early prediction is Ted Cord was her husband and they ran Cord Industries together because in the comics, Ted Cord was kind of like if Tony Stark had a conscience um, <laughs> or like an Oliver Queen of like they have their own... um. I don't know, electronics industry, like technology business, basically. Like they're super wealthy. I would not be surprised if either she killed him trying to claim control of the scarab or like he had been Blue Beetle for a little bit using the scarab technology, but not the scarab itself. Because that's that's a big distinction. Yeah, yeah. Blue Beetle, the new Blue Beetle, the one that this movie will be following, Jaime Reyes, has a alien it's basically an alien backpack that has a brain of its own that gives him the armor it interfaces with him it's attached to him forever the ted cord version of blue beetle made his own stuff he was a scientist he did not have something attached to him maybe ted cord was in this universe at one point and either his sister his wife whatever victoria's connection is is trying to maybe get the the scarab back from Jaime. Maybe she's trying to use the technology. Maybe she's running cord. Um, I think the fact that they name dropped the her name was Victoria Cord when they like officially announced this kind of starts giving us our first little breadcrumbs for this. Like you and I have already been massively hyped for this project oh, yeah. forever, but now that we're starting to get some speculation about the storyline does this get you more excited less excited thoughts i'm uh you know me man i uh i reserve hype for the first trailer um i try not to get too excited um until i kind of see what we're offering here uh it is very interesting though that they're bringing in a cord of of some sort uh in in this scenario um it's interesting that because to me that says we're not going the route 
that Injustice did, and that just completely ignoring that any kind of Blue Beetle happened before this. Uh, but they are like acknowledging that the um, you know something has come before this. I what's going to be interesting is whether or not they keep Cord Industries. How do I say this? Uh, comic book accurate in that. Like you said, Tony Stark with a conscience, um, in that that there was nothing shady going on underneath, and but maybe that's Victoria, who either wife or sister, uh, is a part of that shady stuff. So I, you know, like you said, dude, there's a lot of possibilities here. Um, I think I just, at the very least, think it's very interesting. We're acknowledging the possibility of a Blue Beetle coming before Jaime, um, and which means to me more of him stepping into the role of blue beetle and less of hey i could be the blue beetle which is kind of like that that's definitely a, a more interesting story of like all right this is who the blue beetle was how do i step up to that mantle while still making it my own yeah like could they be trying to follow the footprints of like an end of the spider verse which as soon as mm -hmm, they announced blue mm -hmm. beetle my first thought was, oh, so you're trying to capitalize on some of the money of Into the Spider-Verse of picking an obscure comic book character that appeals to a younger demographic. Um, but I think this could be a really cool idea. I also would not be surprised if, until they get stuff figured out with another property that I... I was almost tempted to make the whole Flash situation its own separate mm -hmm. topic, but we don't want to we don't want to get into that overly negative stuff here, as sucky as that is. Until they get that crap figured out maybe they substitute star labs for cord industries because they yeah. kind of have the same technology base so if we could get some like star lab related stuff of maybe a hint to like superboy out there somewhere or some other young justice adjacent storylines because a lot of stuff can come out of like a star labs or cord industries in terms mm -hmm. of like science messing with stuff um the biggest ringing endorsement for this movie for me right now is the fact that they decided, you know what? We have this much faith in this movie. It's not going to HBO Max. This is going to be a theatrical release. I think yeah. that's the biggest sign of confidence. And it's, to me, honestly, it's only a matter of time before that happens to Batgirl. I think once yeah. the Discovery no, merger goes through, the Discovery merger happens, I think that'll be announced. Um, it'll get delayed because every DC movie is getting delayed. And one in particular, it's probably for the best that it got delayed, so you have time to take out your big dick actor who deserves, <laughs> who does not deserve to be in his role anymore after his horrendous activities. Uh, yeah. um, but again, I'm not talking about that. Uh, but also, like, because it's there and I can't not acknowledge it, what kind of car do you think Jaime Reyes drives? A cord. It's an electronics company, and so at some point, Jaime is going to be like, "I'm going to have to cut the cord." <laughs> and then Shine Down starts playing. Yeah, cut the cord. Da, 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 da. Oh, hey man, Planet Zero drops next month, and I could not be more excited. <laughs> so, lastly, for our news this week, it's another one of those topics that is just like, oh. So this is official now, because I feel like yeah. we've been talking about this forever. And that is that we are getting in it prequel series on HBO Max. I 
thought this was already kind of a thing, but maybe it's just not confirmed. I was excited about it because I actually liked the first Andy Muschietti It. I wasn't overly enthusiastic about part two, but to be fair to Andy Muschietti and the people involved, the second half of the It book isn't as strong as the first. Yeah. It's just basically the first one over again as adults, except more flashbacks. I was excited until they kind of gave some very sparing details that they're like, yeah, it'll be set in the 60s uh, and it'll be before it'll be like the origin of Pennywise and it'll be the origin of um, him and Darium going, but didn't we see yeah. like in either the first or the second one that he's been around since like the Pilgrim era? Yeah. Like that said it in like the Vavitch era or Fear Street uh, 1666, that era with like an early Pennywise with a technology list world. Maybe he's not a clown Maybe he's just a person. That sounds a whole lot more interesting mm -hmm. to me than just sticking it in some. Let, let's uh, take advantage of the 60s vibe all over again. Like, it works for Stranger Things. It'll work here again. Like, come on, man. I honestly, the only thing I want out of this series is a space turtle. No, That's all I, want. I don't all want, I want the space turtle. All I want, bro. For That's those like. That... Literally, that's the only thing that they haven't shown from the It books. Well, like, technically, technically, in the first It, uh, when, uh, who's the main character? Not Georgie. He's the one that gets nom-nommed. Um, Bill? Bill. No. When Bill Is goes yeah. to the basement, he's holding a Lego turtle. So I think, I think that's the closest we'll ever get, and hopefully nope, the closest we nope. ever get. Because for those that don't know, in <laughs> Stephen King's own book, in the It book... That neither the show or the movie has adapted, thank God. The only way to defeat the alien being that is Pennywise, because he's an alien, is essentially to get high and talk to a cosmic turtle. When you have as many books as Stephen King, they can't all be winners. But even when you're big books... What? But why? What? What? <laughs> like, okay, okay Stephen, so we're gonna make this terrifying clown that sucks the souls out of children and eats them because of their fears. What's his biggest enemy? A cosmic turtle. Like, <laughs> I know he did some drugs back in the day, but I didn't know he did every drug back in the day <laughs> to come up with that. Dude, well, okay, so here's the thing. Right. For a long time, like the theory of, of space and whatnot is one of them. And I hate that there was actual scientists believed this, uh, that like the Earth sat on the back of a giant turtle swimming through space. Uh, like literally in the, oh, what book is um, um, A History of Time by. Um, oh, geez. What's the the scientist Stephen Hawking? It's a Stephen Hawking book. He literally like has a conversation with a scientist, and he's like, "Well, wait. So like, if there's turtles in space, what are they standing on?" And he's literally he legit like the science makes eye con eye, eye contact with him and goes, "It's turtles all the way down." So that it's it's not from nowhere, but like. It is from nowhere. Why, why, why are you trying to justify this, man? 
I just don't look like I'm just saying that the tur cosmic turtle thing is an actual like scientific belief that was held at one time. Okay, but that being said, it, why is it is why does he have a thing with a clown? I I think it, like you said, man. I I definitely find like Pennywise running around uh, attacking like the Quakers or something is far more interesting than uh, Pennywise jumping around in the 60s i just like when it comes to the 60s i i just get hey man let's do a true crime drama but with it like i and i don't like it i just that doesn't don't sound like appealing it? to me <laughs> it just doesn't sound appealing to me i i'd much and maybe it's maybe it's the wanting to get more of the vivich but like I it that's just it sounds more interesting to me to have literally nothing in existence that could even co combat um, the the alien. To me, this feels like a situation of we more or less just kind of want to continue our partnership with Andy Muschietti, which Andy Muschietti did both uh, the live action it movies. He's doing the upcoming flash movie, which, you know, should scrap the entire movie, recast the actor and try again. I will continue to say you need to get rid of Ezra Miller again. It's not its own news topic, so I can't harp on it for too long, but he's becoming a massive problem now. Uh, but I think like James Gunn, I think Warren Bros is realizing the need to have in sports terms, homegrown talent, so to speak, mm -hmm. and keep Andy Muschietti in-house. So maybe this is a project he himself is championing because he took to social media as soon as this was announced and more or less confirmed of like, oh yeah, this is happening. And if he's confirming, it makes me think that he's connected to it somehow, which is totally yeah. fine with me. Um, again, didn't love the second one, but I don't think I hold him responsible for that. I'm curious to see how the flash holds up with a new actor of all things. Mm -hmm. um, but again, I want to be excited for this because I like, I will always be excited for new horror series, but I don't know if setting it in mid-century America is the most interesting as opposed to like a colonial America or mm -hmm. some other time in American history uh, that could work better, but I don't know. Well, as per usual, this week's episode, as it is every week. Brought to you by T Public, your one-stop shop for all things Uncharted Media related, where you can get your shirts, mugs, t-shirts, hoodies, stickers, whatever you want with the Uncharted Media logo on it. That's where you can go support the show. Uh, check us out wherever you get your podcast, YouTube. Check us out on social media wherever you search either Uncharted Media or Media Uncharted. You'll find us there. Now. Let's talk about some amazing shots in movies. Again, this is essentially like if you pause the movie at a specific moment, that image that you're seeing on your screen is either beautiful, horrifying. It leaves some form of emotional impact on you, whether it's like you can boil it down to telling the whole story in that one image, whether it's just cool to look at. If you could just take a picture of that one moment set as your wallpaper set it as a a feeling whatever else that's kind of what we're looking for here and i know josh already mm -hmm. has a ton of them yeah i so 
since the, b before we hopped on here, I did take quite a, like a few off my list, uh, mainly because it was I hadn't I personally hadn't seen those movies, but I know them from the scene. You know what I mean? Like so, something like um, the 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 standoff in uh, once once upon a time in the West when you have the three guys mm. getting like that kind of stuff. Like I I've seen I I've never seen the movie, but I know of it from that scene. Um, or something like, uh, the icon, I tried not to do just like stuff that for, that's iconic for iconic sake, like the scene, the, the, um, air shaft scene from, from Die Hard, where he's like flicks on the lighter and he's like, stop, like that's, while it's a cool scene and it's iconic, it's definitely not like, wow, I could have that. I could, have, I could have uh, his uh, face on my computer monitor. Yeah, it doesn't stick with you as much as some other yeah. shots that you might see. Yeah, absolutely. Um, something. Let's. So I'm gonna go old school. I'm gonna start oh, us good. off. We need some of those. Super old school. Um, and I did try to uh, make my list a little bit farther back in the past decade or two um so something that is when you think horror you know what i'm gonna tie this into our new uh, a news topic when you think of renfield and dracula there's a uh quote unquote knockoff dracula movie with a very iconic scene and that is nosferatu with which him one creeping uh, the one i picked is him creeping up the the stairs and you have the shadow up like being up on the on the wall and to okay. me that that's like that's what I, I see that and i'm like nosferatu i think of nosferatu i think of that scene like every single time i didn't know if you're gonna go with either the staircase or mm -hmm. when he's standing in the doorway arms at his side with the ridiculously long arms like i think either one of those scenes could work um now you brought up Dracula. It's not on my official list, but I absolutely think it's worth talking about. And I think that's the first establishing shot inside of Dracula's castle in the original, both in the original Dracula and in the Spanish Dracula that used the exact same film set during the nighttime, which I think is cool. Um, but for a movie in the early 30s, the mm -hmm. set design and the production design, like, it's not a matte painting or whatever else. That's just the inside of a gigantic structure that they built and it looks yeah. so fantastic and it's this big swooping crane shot obviously we're not talking about the movement it's a steady shot but like when you think inside of a creepy mansion probably going to be scouted by mystery inc incorporated at some point um, yeah that that's what you think of um so i have some dramas some horror obviously multiple star wars entries some disney and superhero stuff what should yeah. we tackle which of those should we tackle first let's go let's get our dramas out of the way my friend because uh unsurprisingly i have a couple ryan gosling movies on my list shocker i know but like when you think about it like ryan gosling has been like the more i, I looked at it like this guy has been batting a thousand for a while as far as if you're considering like movies that just look good, his movies also happen to be good, but uh, something like Drive, which was very hard for me to pick a scene from Drive, in which I was like, that's fantastic. The upshot of him holding the hammer, 
gorgeous. Uh, the the slow shot of him going in for one of the first kiss with the a sunset right behind him. Fantastic. The one that sticks with me is when he is on the phone looking over the city. Uh, it's like back third of the movie, if I remember right. I can send you a picture of it because I actually haven't saved it on my computer because I did that. Um, but so you know it's a good shot. Yeah, like at the drive in general is a beautiful movie but like you get this it's the the superimposed like he's kind of shrouded in shadow and you get the nighttime light of la that's sprawling out in front of him as he's like trying to make this tough decision of do i do do, do i you know make this choice of of doing some, something that's going to potentially get me killed or do i just i don't know drive off into the night and just walk away from it so it's uh, fantastic fantastic and obviously like blade runner 49 is up there the movie is just all of it all i i like i i, I tried i tr i really try to pick a scene from it because i mean there's the first time you see him walking to his apartment and you get like the first like street level shot and so you get the sprawling skyscrapers and that's all cool you have this the first time he's in the tower in the tower when he's walking down and there's all those naked naked androids right all in glass cases and you got the moving light like oh fantastic you have i just like there's so i could or talk the one that everyone always points to whenever i see a picture from blade runner 2049 it's always the same with the gigantic neon pink on a day armless <laughs> hologram talking to him like such yeah. a tiny guy. I always think that shot. Uh, uh, the, that one like definitely explains the movie the best. I think is because in that scene, he, she's like, you look like you're really alone, little man. And like, that's, that's how he is like most of the movie. So it's, it's fantastic. It's a good, it's a good shot. So good my, following my train of thought here, um, follow yeah, the yeah, breadcrumbs yeah. here. Ryan gotcha. Gosling was in La La Land. No, I don't have anything from La La Land. But La La Land was a beloved Academy Award movie about musicals. Another yes. recent movie about musicals, Tick, Tick, Boom. Yes. I love the pool shot. The overhead yeah. shot and seeing the lines in the pool as musical bars. I'm going, oh, that's a beautiful shot. That must have been so difficult to make. Either that or when he pushes the wall in the diner down and opens oh, up yeah. everything you're going oh that's pretty there's a lot of lin-manuel has a really good eye for shots which really surprised me i tick tick boom has beautiful cinematography uh i don't think i have any ryan gosling on my really? list today nope really i mean i can't blame you i mean i'm definitely biased because like like Drive, like Blade Runner, um, uh, Place Between the Pines, like I, Nice Guys. There's a lot of like really good. Nice Guys, the shot in. of the two of them in the elevator. <laughs> Fantastic, love it. Uh, but there's just a lot to love about. I think about uh, his movies. Typically, are visually very interesting, and so it, it's not that surprising. But um, which makes me really excited for that Wolfman movie he's got coming out. Yeah, oh, baby, let's yeah. go. Uh, what else you got? um let's let's uh i'm gonna do i don't know if you've ever seen this and if you have it probably been a long 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 time it's a small movie with uh, our boy ewan mcgregor called big fish there's a scene 
of him standing in these bright yellow tulips. I I'm not the particularly a huge fan of the movie in yeah, general. I was say I don't like the movie. It's fine. Um, but the scene of him standing in these bright yellow tu- tulips has still stayed with me. I'm just like because it, it, it's very contra- contrasting. Because and much like the movie, I'm not going to give the movie as much praise as as it, it doesn't deserve a, a lot of praise, honestly. But uh, he the him being dressed in this dark brown suit it's dirty and just being in this field of bright yellow tulips it, it to, to me is very i don't think they're actually tulips but it doesn't matter it, it, it's it's very pretty to look at it would make a good uh it, it's a good uh desktop background to say the least so uh one that i didn't even really consider and it's probably looking at my list it's the oldest movie on my list and it's one that i didn't even think of until i was doing some research and i was like oh yeah that was the moment in the movie that i knew i loved this movie and it's one of the best movies ever made 12 angry men i have you seen 12 angry men i don't think i have really who's in it uh, henry fonda it's the one where a kid is accused of murder and there's kind of very sketchy or barely any evidence so basically like 11 guys say he's guilty but one guy saying he's innocent and it's basically the entire movie is just in this one room um oh it's one of the best movies i think it's either 54 or 64 it's like very much an older movie um Mm -hmm. it's one of those it's like it's been adapted into stage plays a lot because it just takes place in one location for basically the entire movie uh, hmm. But throughout the movie, uh, the one guy that's been saying he's innocent has slowly but surely turning everyone else into the room. So over time, it like becomes like three guys and then half the room and then the majority, mm-hmm. but not everyone agrees to it. And the whole time there's one. I wouldn't say he's a bad guy, but he's more or less the antagonistic guy of just like, um you know, those people are always committing crimes and whatever else of like putting a label on this kid that he doesn't even know. Mm-hmm. And at in this moment, he like has this full on outburst and everything comes to light of like, he's absolutely emotionally projecting failings that he's had with his own kid onto this kid of just oh, like, wow. why didn't you do this? Why couldn't you, why couldn't this kid live the life that he was promised or was given. Why did he make this choice, this choice? And in that moment, everyone else in the room stands up one by one and turns their back on that one guy. And so you just get this one guy absolutely livid screaming and you get everyone turning their back. Cause in that moment they realize why he's mad at this one person. It has nothing to do with what the kid did. And so it's just a freeze frame of the everyone turning back with one guy yelling and screaming. And I'll spoil it for you now. The scene ends with him just having this big breakdown and just sobbing his eyes out on the table going, innocent, he's innocent. Of like, dude, wa- look up 12 Angry Men. It is so, it's like, if Aaron Sorkin was alive in the 50s or 60s, he would have wrote 12 Angry Men. It is very, Sork- <laughs> it's very Sorkin-esque dialogue of, it's very much you are clinging to their every word that they're saying. It's so well done. And the one shot of like the realization is so good of literally turning your back on the one guy that 
cannot be reasoned with. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I love and I love scenes like that. Uh, the I think the culmination of what movies are building to yeah that's like that symbolisms symbolism oh my goodness is uh is pretty strong i think yeah because like that that's very much what happens at the end of fight club which is definitely a a scene that i have always loved watching you know them holding hands and watching and it's definitely on my list watching these credit card buildings just blow up love it it's a culmination of what all this movie has been building to. And we also have some history with Fight Club, which, yeah, you know, like, listeners at home, that was the first movie Josh and I ever watched together was Fight Club. And I still very much have questions of how Edward Norton is still alive after, you know, blowing half his face off going. <laughs> but if you're still alive, then how is Tyler Durden still alive? Spoiler alert for a movie. That's old. That's that's old. Oh. It has been spoiled multiple times. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, that final shot in Fight Club is pretty iconic. Um, and that's either in all a whole bunch of dudes' college dorms or the Fight Club poster with Brad Pitt holding out the yeah. bar of soap. Um, yeah. <laughs> which someday we'll do best movie posters. I've just wondered how we're gonna do that because posters involve knowing what they look like. Um, <laughs> another. Well, I'll save my combat ones, combat dramas for last. Yeah. One of the greatest movies of all time in my book and a lot of other people's books is the Shawshank Redemption. I knew it. I knew we were going to talk about Shawshank at some point. I have it on my list. And there's a lot of great shots. There's a lot of great shots um, carved in in the beam. So was Red. I love that shot or the God shot at the end of the movie when there are the um, cool waters of... I'm not even going to pronounce, pretend to pronounce how that island's name, which, quick side tangent, I'd love when Family Guy spoofed Shawshank because yes. they, he writes the letter. He's just like, hey, remember that island I told you about once in conversation a decade ago? <laughs> and Cleveland just goes, crap! And Peter's just like, oh, oh, is that him? No, that's not him. Like... That's so reasonable because they only talk about that one time so many years ago. Yeah. But there's so many good shots in Shawshank. Uh, maybe it's that God shot where you go over the the complex and you see the whole prison yard for the first time. But for mm-hmm. me, you've got to go with the most iconic with the Andy Dufresne crawled through 500 yards of crap to get to freedom on the other side. And you get. The man with wide open arms as the rain comes down on him mm-hmm. as he's literally cleansed of his sins that he didn't even commit. Um, it's very literal in terms of what that shot is. Yeah. But God, it's composed so beautifully. It's lit perfectly with the, the lightning coming in. It's the perfect encapsulation of the movie itself there's some great cinematography in all of um of shawshank redemption primarily because you had the fantastic oh what is his name i I know (laughs) the cinematographer i know the the cinematographer's name uh roger deakins who also did skyfall which also looks gorgeous there's a couple shots in skyfall like the first time he comes into um that that club with the Komodo dragons and yeah. you get all the little low lights. But um, 
Another honorable mention that I have for Skyfall is the scene that got ripped off in Shang-Chi with the silhouette fight with the neon lights yeah. in the background. God, that's beautiful. But Shawshank's it's such a beautiful shot. Shawshank's arms wide open, um, freedom, mm-hmm. hope finally paying off. Y'all know the cliches by now. You've seen Shawshank on TNT at least once. <laughs> yeah, and like that's my that's my go-to if I'm going to talk about one of my favorite shots in that movie. That's definitely one of them. Um, I mean, there's also the, the one where they pan over the yard as uh, Andy plays that music. I think it's not supposed to be playing. Uh, there's that shot. It's fantastic. But it, it's definitely arms arms out being rained on after finally escaping like it's just it's just so good it it, there's no denying it um so let's go ahead and talk about skyfall because that's definitely on my list (laughs) so all um, of skyfall is gorgeous when the house is burning down and he's got the silhouette and running away from the fire when he's under the water and he's hitting the the ice it's there's so many good so if you had to pick one shot from skyfall that you feel like I want to say emotionally registered with you. What would that be? The silhouette fight uh, with the neon lights in the background. Yeah. I love that so much uh, because it's just backlit so well. Uh, you can still clearly tell which one is Bond. I think that's super cool. I love how that looks. Uh, either that or when he comes on the boat for the first time, showing up to that Komodo Dragon Club and all yeah. the nice little low lights that kind of look like Kung Fu Panda. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I'm, I'm a huge fan of that neon fight. Um, I think the, 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 the boat shot is the most James Bond shot that has oh, ever yeah. been done. Like, God, it's such a, and like, uh, there's a certain like a boat when I first saw it, I was like, I want to be that cool one day. Like that, that is tux is so, so fresh. Ooh, Chef's kiss on that tux, bro. Like he is. It's just, it's such a, Skyfall is a very beautiful movie. and I, But yeah, that neon, the fighting in front of the neon sign is just next level. And I, I don't want to say it's the first movie to do it because I can't say that kind of stuff. But like, I'm, it's the first time I realized that that could be a thing. Because I think John Wick did it fairly quickly after that. And then Shang-Chi did that. And it's it's just, it's such a beautiful silhouette that it, it's hard to ignore. And it sticks with you quite a bit. So... We cannot talk about dramas without talking about one of Josh and I's all-time favorite movies, Warrior. Okay, okay. I, I at first when I first watched it, I didn't love Warrior cinematography. But the more I watch it, the more I love it because it has this gritty realism to it. It's very much in your face. Like I'm not a big shaky cam fan, but the way they utilize it in Warrior is really well done. But if there's one frame that stands out from warrior one specific snapshot that just encapsulates the entire movie it's the final shot of the movie with joel edgerton holding a beaten and bruised tom hardy in his arm as they're walking away just like that that's the movie right there it's so good they put it on the cover of the blu-ray which i'm going uh spoiler alert there guys (laughs) why why are you putting the ending of the movie there uh that that's one of those we'll talk about it uh i love when you can look at a specific frame and you get the whole picture you get the whole picture of everything that warrior is just from that one frame of it's cain and abel minus the murder basically (laughs) basically brothers squabbling i mean if there's another round or so 
just pop the other one out and there you go yeah Um, warrior is one of the most underrated movies ever made we continue to sing its praises uh that final shot is spectacular but there's another combat movie that i think has beautiful cinematography rocky (laughs) balboa I know a lot of people, when they talk about iconic shots, will talk about Rocky putting his hands up at the top of the Philadelphia steps at the first Rocky movie. I actually prefer when he does it in Rocky Balboa, in the sixth one. One, the dog is super cute, but two, I love the snow aspect of it. I think it's more of that, that grit of underdog side of rocky of the the cold harsh philadelphia winter but he's still gutting it out also i love the behind the scenes story that um celestia stone talks about of like on that day he really wanted snow but of course it wouldn't snow that day wouldn't cooperate and so they did a couple takes and they're like dude it's just not happening it's not snowing today and so stallone's like no no we'll do it one more time and if it still hasn't snowed then fine, we'll just pack it up and go home for the day. On the last take, it starts snowing, and they're like, let's do this, let's do this! Um, I I love Rocky Balboa, the sixth one, so much. I know yeah. everyone always talks about the first one. The sixth one, for the Rocky movies, is probably my favorite, more so than any other. I love the old man coming out of retirement and getting stuff out of the basement more or less as they say in the in the movie is it the basement or the attic either way of getting everything out of your system uh, when everything tells you no i like the snow visual a lot more um it just works for me i really like yeah. the cinematography in rocky balboa and i like that moment specifically no i agree i i definitely i think in general, I like that the arms raising scene. I like it the best in six. Uh, there is, I will say though, I don't think that's the best scene cinematographically, cinematographer wise. Uh, yeah, you, you know what I'm trying to say. Cinematographically? Uh, yeah, sure, sure. Let's go with that. Uh, in Rocky, is I prefer the shot that like I got amped for was it's during one of his runs when he's runs the full length of a, of a ship out up by the harbor. I think that's Rocky too. It might, maybe might, I don't know. I don't do, they all start to blend together after a little bit. Um, but yeah, it's it, it, to me, I like that shot quite a bit, but yeah, it's Rocky six is where it's at. Uh, it's interesting. I don't have anything from Creed on here, but that's not because photography's fine in Creed. It's, it's good. Um, there's but good also, moments, like, but not specific snapshots in yes, time. Yes, I, I agree. I agree. I, I, I think there's a – and that's something that I think you with some of the, these moments in some of these movies is like if we talk about um, – yeah, some of, some of these we, we're, we're both going to have different moments about. Uh, one of my my favorite combat dramas um, was a little movie that I expected absolutely nothing from starring Brad Pitt and Shia LaBeouf in as tank operators. Yeah. Uh, dude, the cinematography for Fury is outstanding. Um, the moment that does it for me, and it, it definitely helps that it's kind of like the climax of the film, is the house that they've stationed up against is burning down behind them, and they are on their last guns. They're, like, just going to town as, the as like, 
the Germans come in and just the shot is so gorgeous. The the house burning down behind them and they're just you know surviving as best they can. It's so beautiful to look at. I mean, it's obviously it's chaos and death and take it seriously, blah blah blah. But like it was definitely a moment that took me out of the movie for like a half second of like oh, I like that. That's very, that's pretty to look at. Because <laughs> they stay on that shot for quite a bit. Fury is the first movie, like I had seen other ones, but Fury was the first movie that really made me go, holy crap, when he wants to be, Shia LaBeouf is an incredible actor. Absolutely. Like, I think he was the best thing about Fury. And that has a stacked cast like Brad Pitt, John Bernthal, Logan Lerman, Michael Pena. Like, that's a good cast, but I think Shia LaBeouf was outstanding in that. Um Fury also has excellent sound design. It's mm-hmm. so good. Um, so I have a few horror, not a ton. Horror, Star Wars, Disney, and superhero movies. Where are we going okay. next? Where do we want to go? Have... Or do you still have some dramas to get through? I have one... I've got technically two dramas to get through. One of them is definitely a, like a war is a war movie, and the other is a uh, drama thriller. Sure, let's go with that. Is it so, Saving Private Ryan? No, it's not. Um, so the it's actually one of the more recent ones. Um, Nineteen Seventeen is a which one? The entire freaking movie know, is a just a masterclass of filmmaking. Um, it is a, an accomplishment. Um, and I, I think like when I, the, I hadn't heard about it until it came up with all the awards and I was like, okay. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, and then you see all the behind stuff. From a, technical, like, oh! from a technical standpoint, this is one of the best movies I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the shot, I think I'm going to, it's, gosh, it's just so hard because there's the shot where he, right before he jumps off the bridge, that you see everybody chasing him, fantastic. But I think I, I, I have to go with that long, it, I, I think it's the longest take in the entire film because the quote unquote, the whole movie is one take, quote unquote. Um, but that long take where he's running down the green. Yes. And everybody's I charging. I totally agree. It is breathtaking, both in just aesthetic beauty, storytelling, uh, the amount of of work and planning that had to go into that scene um, and just like how long it is because it's not short. It could have easily taken like two to three minutes, but I, I, I'll go back and look, but I'm pretty sure that's almost an eight to ten minute scene. I remember seeing it in the theater in that specific moment when he climbs up for the first time and the music's building the fantastic Thomas Newman score. I It's one of the only times I've ever like actually white knuckled my chair just going yeah you're this close go and if you just <laughs> freeze it in that moment with the explosions going off next to him i love that he doesn't have the choreography like he almost trips on two separate guys in that moment he's just charging and he, forward <laughs> and then he actually just, trips <laughs> yeah it's just, it adds to it it's so oh nineteen seventeen. i won't say it's one of my favorite movies but in terms of from a technical standpoint it is one of the absolute best movies i've ever mm-hmm. seen i'm continually blown away by it. and the cinematography is just outstanding 1917 is i think i put that as my best movie of the year that it came out that i saw it because i know i had limited release and i think december but yeah. wide release in january 
Yeah. Um, the other, the last quote unquote drama, um, it, it's definitely more like a thriller, but uh, I would re- be remiss to have a conversation of, of uh, best snapshots or best, best scenes, best, uh, if I didn't talk about Fury Road, um, you know me. I am so like this is easily one of my top ten favorite movies of all time. Um, it's absolutely gorgeous, and there are much like um, much like Blade Runner. There's a lot of scenes you can pick here. I think the one that has continuously stuck with me, um, and and is one of the reasons I I will rewatch this movie so much. It, it can easily be, you know, when they're driving into the storm and they do that big pullout shot. And so you see how small the cars are in comparison to the storm. And that's beautiful. Um, to me, the best scene of the movie, the best looking scene, the be- the one that convey- conveys the most is when Furiosa realizes yep. that the goal, the green place that they were going towards does not even exist anymore. And she just collapses into the sand and beautiful wide shot. Oh, dude, it gets me every time. Like Fury, because we have a Furiosa is getting a movie or a A prequel movie with Anya Taylor Joy. Let's go. Like, way to like make this a Mad Max movie, but like the side characters are just as, if not more, interesting than Mad Max. Like, let's go. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, that scene still sticks with me. And like, I, I think I'm pretty sure I rewatch Fury Road like once every few months. Oh yeah. But just, it's, it's so good. Score is fantastic. Acting's fantastic. But like that scene specifically keeps me coming back. So I have two Disney movies. One, no one would be surprised about because it's like one of the most iconic shots of all time. The second one might surprise you because it's oddly specific, but it's always stuck in my brain. I'll okay. go with the obvious one first. The opening the Lion King. Next. Like okay. just just <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> just obviously seeing the iconic Pride Rock with everyone yeah. coming down, specifically when Zazu swoops into frame, you're like, That's it. Go home. Like, even the movie <laughs> knew we can't top this. Opening credits. Here you go. <laughs> that's that's it. Like if you just have the intro to Lion King and nothing else probably could have been nominated for best short film at the animated short film at the Academy Awards <laughs> that year. Cause it's so well done, but the, the wide is. shot, when you see the whole field and you see pride rock for the first time, you're going, Oh, wow. Wow. Now my other one is an oddly specific one finding Nemo. And it's okay. probably nothing that you're thinking of. Okay. It's Not yet, right. Cause it's There's right after Nemo. Marlon thinks Nemo has died because Nemo <sighs> faked his death. And we we get a wide shot panning down of the Sydney coast. And as a kid, my mind was blown because I still maintain to this day that is one of the most realistic um, shots that I have ever seen from a Pixar movie, especially for its time. Like, I genuinely forgot in that moment that I was watching an animated movie. It was like the chandelier in Beauty and the Beast of how good that looked for its time. There's a shot on the coast in Finding Nemo going, I thought this is an animated movie. And then you see 
Nigel come down with Dory and Marlin. You're going, oh, it is animated. But holy crap, those rocks and that water. Water is so hard to animate, but that water looks real and the mm-hmm. overcast skies look so real. There's, yeah, there's, there's so much. When you're watching animated stuff that you just forget that it's animated. And I love when that happens. Absolutely. Um, I actually have two Disney movies um, that are not like superhero. Um, first of all, and you know me, this is not going to be surprising to you at all. I don't think it will. Anyway. Treasure um, Planet? No, it's not Treasure Planet. I had considered it, but I was like, no, let's let's give some other movies some shine. Like we talk about these sometimes, but not often. Um, the paper lantern scene in Tangled. Oh, it's so gorgeous especially when they do it's a i think it's like at the beginning of the of the of the song where it's a wide pan and it's just them two in the boat in the middle of the of the shot and the paper lanterns are just floating on around it's like oh dude and it's reflecting in the water dude favorite song in the film but regardless like suck it frozen this is the best God, it's so good it's, it's so, so much better good. than frozen tangled is fantastic oh man like everything's reflecting off the water the the every lantern is moving individually um seeing the reflection of the lanterns in um in her eyes and seeing her reflected in his eyes um like i just Dude, this scene is fantastic, and it's like it's definitely the culmination of a lot of stuff. I mean, it's supposed to be, but yeah, it's um, like it gives me uh, "Kiss the Girl" vibes from Little Mermaid, yes. except better, yeah, and like more beautiful to look at. Because honestly, "Kiss the Girl," it's just Ariel and Eric in the boat, whereas this, like, the lighting is fantastic the animation is gorgeous not saying anything bad about little mermaid as much as i have issues with her god i hate the little mermaid so much mainly because of my last name and the mispronunciation but Arl? Arl? Your name you will die josh <laughs> but oh god tangles tangle is just a beautiful movie in general mm-hmm. but that one scene they're just like oh the grown men are going to love will. this scene, too. <laughs> you you that, will weep. That dude in the villain bar is going to be bawling his eyes out, too. Well, he will anyway. He, he just wants to love. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I got a dream. Um, Your dream sucks. The other scene that... Uh, and I say, I'm going to say this scene. A, it's gorgeous. There's a lot going on in it. But it's the point in the movie that locked me in. I was kind of like it when when watching Coco, I was kind of like, all right, yeah, like I'm here for this. This is cool, I guess. Um, and then, I mean, obviously, it's not for me in some ways, but it also is for me. Uh, but like when the first time he gets on that bridge and stops and looks up and looks surprised, and then they pan around and you see the entirety. And I'm pretty sure it's the only time you see the entirety of the City of the Dead. And it's just all this smorgasbord of colors and and buildings and and just it's just so beautiful. And it, it, to me, I was like, oh, oh, we're going there. All right, let's do that. All right, let's go. Let, let's go on this adventure. Absolutely, I'm locked in. And like the way that when he moves across the bridge, and it's like it's almost like their leaves. It's ah, oh, just it's. Coco, I know, in general, is one of those movies that 
is absolutely gorgeous and some people really really like and some people are like okay that's it, it's a thing that happened it is but a gorgeous movie for sure absolutely like if we're doing like i just need a shot of a movie that's absolutely aesthetically pleasing and emotionally fulfilling i definitely think coco has a lot of that to offer and that is that one of those scenes is definitely definitely yeah. that for me i remember seeing that scene going god i wonder what the render time was on the export <laughs> Like, jeez. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Uh, do we want to do Star Wars or horror next? We'll save superheroes for last. Yeah, obviously, because we're going to have a couple of those. Um, yeah. Let's go ahead and get our... Let me do... Let's get horror knocked out of the way. I have two um, horror. Okay, I got three. I have three horror. Unfortunately, I couldn't think of any shots from 1408 that really stuck out. Or else <laughs> we could put that in the jar. Um, yeah. I do have one... I think the movie's fine. Josh really doesn't like it, but there's no denying it's one of the most famous shots in all of horror history, and that's the final shot in the Blair Witch Project. The extreme close-up, because yeah. I don't mind it. I really don't. It's not scary, but I don't like it in the best possible way because it does make me anxious about getting lost in the woods, and that's... that's I didn't think I was afraid of that, but watching them, like... Uh, I'm getting anxious here and I don't enjoy this, but seeing the final shot of the Blair Witch, like it's been memed to death of the extreme close-up of the person yeah. right in front of the camera. But just seeing that you understand the entire movie, the fear in her eyes, the pitch black over her shoulder, using the negative space perfectly. You just in that one single frame, you get what this movie is about. And in that one frame, you can tell whether or not this movie is going to be for you or not. It's not for everyone. I don't even know if it's for me, really. Uh, <laughs> also, they kind of did the same thing in Blair Witch, the new one. Mm -hmm. um, which that ending, I don't love the new Blair Witch. I don't think it's particularly good. But that final 15, 20 minutes are like poop your pants terrifying. And I loved yes. it. Uh, but I don't know if the new one has that level of iconicness in terms of that final shot. Even then, the rest of Blair Witch isn't as iconic, I think, as that one specific memeable shot. Well, and that's because you can barely tell what's going on. Anyway, um... <laughs> you ain't wrong, but what, what is unseen is often just as scary as what is seen. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Um, <laughs> so we're talking about movies that... You know, you, you just give me a movie that I absolutely do not like. Um, I'm going to give you one that I know that I I don't think you think it's it's as good as everybody else does. Elmo goes so, to Grossland. <laughs> let's talk about Get Out. So oh. I is it where he sinks? Where he cries? Yes. Oh no, I, I'm talking about where he sinks into the black void. Oh no! See, like that's cool. I think that's but a like, cool shot. But yeah, when he's crying, I when get that he, that's when the, he, when the he meme finally, shot. Yeah, I mean, it's super memed, and I understand. But, like, I think Get Out, and that's the scene that comes to my mind. Um, it, it, It's a culmination of, like, a realization for him and for us as an audience as far as what's happening in the film. Um, and it's, it's kind of sad and terrifying at the same time. Um, it's definitely not the strongest. Uh, there's definitely... I wish... I had gone and looked through some of the spills from uh, Midsommar or Hereditary. Because it's a lot of really, really, or even Vivich. Because there's a lot of really, really, really pretty shots in that as well. Um, 
Wouldst yeah, they... thou like to live deliciously? Yes, I would. Thank you. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, yeah. The, that shot is like pretty iconic when it comes to like at least new age horror. Like people say, hey, like what? Elevated horror. Elevated. <laughs> Stop. God, Stop. I hate that word. I hate that I phrase too. so much. So let me ask you. It's like the it's like the Incredibles two meme. Math is yes. math. Horror is horror. Horror. <laughs> I need to no, make no, that no, a meme this now. Is elevated guys. This is horror that's trying to say something. Guys, all horror is trying to say something. That's the point. It's that's the point of the stories. Come on. I uh... <laughs> 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 got him. Uh, but yeah. So would you consider Ex Machina horror? Or would you consider it more of a thriller? Sci-fi thriller. To... Yeah, yeah sci-fi, sci-fi thriller. thriller. All right, well, that's fine. Um, but yeah, so the uh, I personally, I don't know how how you feel about Ex Machina. I personally, I really love enjoyed it. it. Yeah, I it's love fantastic. It. it is also a very beautiful movie. Uh, very weird as well. Um, and I don't mean beautiful because there's a lot of nudity. No, like there's actually like legitimately very. No, obviously we're talking composed. about Oscar Isaac's beard. <laughs> I see like he is so attractive in this movie it like makes me question things about myself I don't know man that that like 70s jumpsuit that he's wearing I'm going that ain't it chief but that, that beard that's a beautiful beard win and the words of cinema wins that is a beautiful beard win he uh he is a very attractive man especially in this movie uh but Duke Leto Duke Leto Duke Leto the that the- that's a gorgeous beard absolutely the shot that gets me though in ex machina and there's a lot of really really cool stuff um but if we're going like with a like a snapshot of the movie um is this first it's that first wide of the first time he goes to interview the or (laughs) big air quotes interview the ai (laughs) um i i it's just such like I don't know when the last time you watched you watched Ex Machina. It is one of those movies like you watch once. Yeah, maybe I don't feel every like every couple I, years. I love it. It's not like it's not like Prisoners where I'm gonna be like, I've seen it once. I'll see it. Yeah. in maybe five to ten years. Like I'd see it every two to three years, but it's not like one I need to go rush out and see. Unlike some other Alex yeah. Garland stuff. Yeah, it's very heavy, but like in that fairly innocent beginning. Of like, how I'm just gonna come and ask the, this AI a bunch of questions. Wow, that's really life. Like, that's crazy. Uh, wow, she seems actually kind of like human. Like, okay, that's interesting. Um, how did you do that? Like, that's so like the the wide shot of that has her like speaking directly to him, and it has like the full picture of her containment and his quote unquote view viewing room um is it's just it's it's very pretty and it's very interesting and it it it, it makes you want to like actually be like okay cool i'm ready for this conversation i'm very interested to see what's going to happen here halloween that's where i gotta go next with this Uh, other but the problem is anybody that's listened to this podcast for more than like an episode knows halloween is one of the most important movies of all time for me and i love the original i love almost all the movies in the franchise, but looking at the original, I'm just like, there's so many good shots here. I mm-hmm. almost put, uh, when Lori thinks she's killed Michael, no, 
when she first discovers her friend's body and she's up against the wall and there's this black void and all of a sudden the mask slowly appears over her shoulder right before he stabs her in the shoulder. That's Fantastic. great. But the shot I'll go with is when um, Tommy Doyle is trying to scare Lindsay Well, so he's hiding behind the curtain. Lindsay! Lindsay! And he turns around so she wouldn't see him. He looks out the window and he sees across the the way he sees the house with the porch lights on and he just sees a black silhouette in the light and you're going uh what is that and he starts freaking out because he thinks he sees the boogeyman because he does to me that one specific shot of seeing of your brain going is that a person or is that a bush is that is that actually something that's there epitomizes what halloween is all about of the man the boogeyman basically seeing things that aren't there getting terrified about things that aren't there the low light of everything basically your eyes are naturally drawn to the only little bit of light source in front of the house with the porch lights and the patio lights see a dude cut back there's nobody there those two shots specifically are just halloween personified he's there and he's not but all of halloween's gorgeous when linda is it linda gets in the car, realizes, oh, wait, it was locked before, and the glasses yeah. all fogged up, and all of a sudden the mask pops up. That's well done. When she gets stuck in the laundromat, and all of a sudden you see the mask in the doorway. Like the, I didn't even notice that the first like two or three times that I watched the movie. I'm going, oh, he's right there. He could get her at any moment, but he <laughs> doesn't, and that makes Which that scarier. Um, yeah, I there's so much in Halloween. If I could put a scene, I'd put the entire opening tracking shot, but that's that's not what we're talking about here specifically. There's <laughs> there's a lot of great shots in Halloween. There is. There's quite a few. Uh, and I didn't. If I was to pick one, it would be the one where she first discovers the body, and you see him like chilling right there. Um, fantastic, scary, uh, very intimidating, and definitely a shot that communicates a lot about the series going forward quite a or, bit honestly. or when he does the undertaker sit up yeah let's do that yeah why not except i like it best when he stamps on a drone i like it best in h2o when he knows he's facing the wrong way so he has to scoot his butt backwards to flip over on camera because idiot guy doesn't know to lay on your back or your stomach and purred at her during filming going just why? If you haven't heard, the dude that played Michael Myers in H2O really did not get it. He had not seen any of the previous movies, so he's like, Michael's like, he's like a cat stalking his prey. So cats, cats purr when they're about to attack. So he would like purr at J.B. Lee Curtis. I'm like, what is your problem, dude? Why, why are you weird? Why are you weird, man? Just stop being weird and fix your mask because that's a terrible mask. You have one horror movie I, I, left, I, I, right? I, yeah, yeah. I personally prefer when um when uh Buster Rhymes does a sp spinning wheelhouse kick. That's the, my my favorite Halloween moment. Trick or treat. Um, <laughs> trick or treat. Like that's such a great line. You can't deny. Um, mine is actually going to come out of left field. A movie that we don't talk about quite a bit, but is that's more or so because it's there's no question that it's a good movie. Um, Silence of the Lambs has some fantastic oh. shots. Not where I when, thought you were going with that, when, which when, means when, I have an honorable mention, but you can say Silence of the Lambs because you'll, okay, you'll agree okay. with my other shot. Oh, I guarantee it. Um, 
but th there's a lot of really really cool sh really cool sh uh, scenes um the th from you know when it's that wide uh facing in uh to Lecter's cell let's call it a cell um and he's like where you see everybody looking and that, that whole conversation that happens um good morning good morning Clarice. um the, the the wide of the basement for buffalo bill i like there's a lot of really interesting things for me it happens in the climax of the film i've, I've noticed that i like like a lot, a lot of like the, the the pinnacle emotional moments um it's when hannibal finally gets his meal and it pans out and he's like the, enjoying the music and there's a dead, dead officer right behind him. And he's, and he's like sprayed out like a, oh, I thought you talked about the shot where he's sprayed out on top of the, the cage. I mean, he, I mean, there the is wings. that shot. There's that shot. Yes. But like, just like him enjoying and like face is just covered in blood. And he's like enjoying the music, like a normal human being in a situation that is not okay. He's obviously just killed that man by eating him. Uh, but like yeah, like the, there's a lot, uh, dude. If, if if anybody wonders, like, hey man, I need more screen time to get a better performance out there. My dude, Anthony Hopkins is like total of like what 15 minutes of screen time. I got like nine Oscars. Like, get out of here. So, I'm glad this jogged my memory, or else I would be genuinely mad when I listen back to this later. All I need to say is three simple words, and Josh will know immediately where I'm going with this. One. Our photo. Let's go, baby. Oh, dear God. So uh, I almost thought the scene where we first see Sai's apartment and he's just sitting in a chair with a wall full of other people's photos. That's creepy enough. But there's a dream sequence. Yeah. That is so disturbing. It's not necessarily violent in nature. It's basically like a Walgreens or a CVS, which is scary enough as is. But it's pitch black, nothing pitch white, actually. There's nothing in the aisles. It's completely clear. It's it's almost like that dream sequence when Harry Potter dies in 7.2. They mm -hmm. like, kind of goes to this like in-between. It's a lot like that with Robert Williamson all white covering his eye. No, his eyes aren't covered. His eyes are closed cut to an extreme close-up he opens them and his eyes just start shooting out blood and the red is the only color in the room and it's all white and it's such a hard cut and opening his eyes that you actually jump and you are terrified but at the same time it's beautifully composed it's contrast so yeah. well it's just all white and then just red Oh, it's it's brutal because the rest of the movie it doesn't really fit in the rest of the movie, but it's no. so at least such an impression. And oh god, we screamed like girls the first time we watched it. I we remember. did. We got in trouble. I remember yes, that. We did. That was hilarious. Uh, yeah, the one hundred photo is like a very like, gosh, it's such a weird movie, and it's so. I don't know how to describe it in actual words. Like one hour photo is a rare performance from um from robin williams and it's definitely like if you haven't seen one hour photo which by this point i don't know how you haven't heard of it um definitely check it out all right so let's you want to go into star wars yeah let's so i have dude. three star wars moments um obviously i don't like sand that's got to be the best moment ever obvious i mean it's a pretty it's a pretty looking scene no um <laughs> it's not on my list but honorable mention to 
begun the clone wars have and you see the close-up of one of the clone troopers and you see the thousands upon thousands oh, behind that's, him. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a cool looking shot but for me uh i'll start us off with the obvious one binary sunset you can oh, that is I, good yeah you can either have there's two shots you can choose from you can have the wide shot where you see the binary sunsets and you just see luke with one leg up looking over the horizon or you could see the close-up of him and you actually see his face looking off in the distance. Either way, you kind of you get the whole story from those two shots right there. Um I'm gonna go though with what I maintain is the most underrated shot in the entire Star Wars franchise that doesn't get nearly enough love. I love The Force Awakens so much, and I think it doesn't get enough love because the rest of the trilogy didn't pan out, but Force Awakens still ends up being a excellent return to form for Star Wars. And while I have some issues with the final fight between Rey and Kylo, basically mm. Rey just believe in the heart of the cards and wins. There's a great shot in the forest though, when they're fighting each other and they grab each other's hands while they're holding their lightsabers and they start kind of moving around. And in one moment, the blue lightsaber turns clockwise and the red lightsaber turns counterclockwise and they're more or less complete polar opposites, like you see in the picture here. They're opposites, and I'm sure that was intentional, of it looks to me kind of like yin and yang, the two sides mm -hmm. of the force. In that moment, it's perfectly balanced. It's a balanced shot. It doesn't last long enough, and it's... I read way too much into it, I'm going, that's... If you had to sum up Star Wars, or want a cool-looking Star Wars wallpaper, that's probably it. That's that's balance that's the force the light in the dark like that that's so well composed and jj normally has some good looking stuff he's not like the best like doesn't have the best eye his movies normally have some cool looking shots like the ship coming out of the water in star trek into darkness when it comes out well, that looks cool but Normally, he's more known for lens flares than cool shots. <laughs> I love the shot from Force Awakens so I, uh, much. I I am with you in your, the love of, of Force Awakens, but there's a different shot in Force Awakens that I think I love more than that. Ray it's holding, the one... Ray no, holding out the lightsaber. No, it is the one where... Uh, we find out Poe is alive and he's leading the rebellion to come save Han. Oh, and all the X-Wings come across yeah, the all water. All the oh. X-Wings come, come across the water. It's so good. I and then he goes like, on a full on kill streak and kills like 13 and like. Yeah, he should have a nuke for that. Mm. <laughs> it's so beautiful, though. And it's it's one of those like. We've seen ships come. We've seen ships like, come, you know, fly into scenes. We've seen that kind of stuff before. But for some reason, having them skid along along the the water like that and the ripple and effect oh, on the water. Oh, it's so perfect. I like to me, that's one of the best shots in all of Star Wars. How many other Star Wars shots do you have? I only have one more. Okay, so do I, and. I'm, Josh has listened to the podcast long enough that he can guess what it is. So, Josh, what is my other Star Wars shot that I talk incessantly about? Um, it's it's got to be from Return of the Jedi when in the final fight when um, Luke's what, is, what would you call that a tunic 
flap opens up nope. and it show, shows white as just as well no nope. black oh okay well i'm close i know you're it's very in that, close you're i know very it's close. in that fight i know that, it's in that fight that snapshot that you're talking about that's after he beats the ever-living crap out of vader which that is true there's a couple quick snapshots i love when he looks down at his hand and realizes he's about to become his father all over again yeah love that yeah. shot but the shot that i'm referring to is when he's hiding from vader under the stairs which is a crappy place to hide they're looking at that how are you hiding at all but he's hiding <laughs> under the stairs and half of his face is in the light and half of his face is in that deep blue shadow yeah. in that moment half of his soul more or less is in the light and half of his soul is in the dark of that contemplation of what side is he going to take? Is he going to fully embrace his, his darkness like his father did, or is he going to continue to stay in the light? That one shot epitomizes the entire original trilogy of the light and the dark. What, what wolf do you choose to feed like, <laughs> but it, oh what, it's so well composed what, what what is that from that's that's the from... new mutants is what i know it from oh yeah oh yeah but that, ew, that's ew. just a, that's just a <laughs> fable in general of which wolf do you feed yeah yeah it is i personally like the shot better of the first time luke and and vader come into contact cloud city yeah, in Cloud City, right where he's like, ah, oh, you've you know you're, you're powerful, but you're not a Jedi yet, and they're just kind of testing each other's lightsabers. The just the the way the shots frame, the way the colors, the way that you don't that both characters are in shadow, and all you really see is the lightsabers. It's gosh, it's such a gorgeous shot, still to this day. Um, I, I, there's a lot of stuff, really, really cool stuff. Before we move on, like a lot of really cool stuff in the prequels as well. Like I don't want to negate them. Darth either. Maul's intro. I mean, there's that, but like that over the uh, that higher shot, that god shot, I think is what you would call it. Of uh, uh, in three, when you just see all these ships converging over Coruscant in the opening, oh, yeah. like fantastic beautiful there's a lot of really really good stuff seeing the gungan city for the first time is like it's it's pretty cool like you can't deny seeing the boo for the first time in general was like is really it's a beautiful shot but yeah like i, I don't want like there's the star wars is one of those um there's a lot of sign of uh, scenes that pop out at me i think you and i talked briefly about what through texting of uh like lord of the rings is a gorgeous movie but like it doesn't have scenes that that pop out at, at you as much as maybe seeing riverdale R riverdale for the first riverdale no rivendell, no. rivendell. oh my god i thought you were about <laughs> to compare lord of the rings to cw's riverdale i was about to be very concerned for just the same sanity. thing all of a sudden dylan sprouse is gonna be playing aragorn <laughs> and all he wants like is that. a cheeseburger he I, just that, wants a that's cheeseburger. That's Jughead. That's Jughead. He plays Jughead. Oh, okay. That's fine. <laughs> How do I know that's more about Riverdale than you? I don't, know. I don't. I don't care. Like, oh, I know a lot about the comic Archie because I used to watch. Heck the yeah, fucking... dude, Jughead was Fantastic. the best. I used to read so he much Jughead. Absolutely, he's absolutely uh, a stoner. <laughs> There's no way he's not, bro. I like, need what? a Jughead Shaggy crossover. <laughs> not Archie and Scooby Doo. Just Jughead and shaggy maybe throw yeah. some scooby and jughead to be like am i imagining this or what 
Nah. <laughs> Speaking of superheroes right. yeah. and Scooby Doo, I, I don't know where the segue. No, is that for works. That. that works for me. No, that works all for right. me. Scooby Doo on Zombie Island is the most terrifying movie of all time. I'm just gonna throw it that is. out there before we move on. Um, actually, watch this segue. Both Scooby Doo and some superhero movies are animated. And one that's animated and criminally underrated that we probably could have talked about earlier when we talked about Disney stuff, Big Hero 6. Y'all, why do people sleep on Big Hero 6? Stupid Frozen got all the shine from Big Hero 6. Big Hero 6 is fantastic, and I'm still pissed we never got a sequel. I know we got a sequel series. I watched it. It's fantastic. Um, But one shot in particular, it's genuinely, I think, one of the most beautiful shots in any movie period. And I love it so much. Like, I have it as a wallpaper from time to time and a rotation with others. But it is after Hero and Baymax fly for the first time through the bridge and everything else. And they've gone. They've had their big exhilarating fun. And then the two of them just sit next to each other on top of one of the big blimps. And you just get this wide shot of the blimps and the bridges. And you're going... Oh, that's just pretty, like vibrant pinks and blues. And you get these little characters off from the side. And maybe it's like my love of Iron Giant, but I, I love the kind of boy and his dog model or boy and his yeah. oversized robot, which is an oddly specific cliche that comes up a lot. Real Steel, Iron Giant, Big Hero 6. Ah, so Josh has a thing for animal stories Stop. i have a, no no I have we're not for hu- the furry no no we're not that's not something and i have a thing for human thing robot friendships uh but that shot is so good of the two of them sitting on the blimp together hero is actually happy for the first time since the most unjust death in disney history how dare you kill tadashi uh, for, I almost forgot go. his name. Wow. Although you could be all upset as upset no, as you want. Tadashi should have name. lived. Tadashi <laughs> was fantastic. But that That's shot. exactly why he has to die. That shot is so gorgeous. <laughs> a lot of Big Hero 6 is just beautiful. Um, Like when they're in the. What I always kind of looks like. Like the inside of like another dimension or whatever. When, Bay, when Baymax sacrifices himself. The inside of that when he's floating away. Mm-hmm. That looks gorgeous. Or seeing all the uh, nanobots assembled with the honestly one of the coolest looking villain designs ever. Love that aesthetic. But mm, Big Hero 6 has some beautiful shots. But the one when they're on top of the blimps. That's my jam. <laughs> that's your jam, huh? That's I my mean, jam. There's a lot of shots of, what is it? San Fran, Tokyo? San Fran, Tokyo, yep. San Francisco. Uh, that I just like. I want to live here. Like this seems like such a cool place. Like Josh just wants to spend time with the aunt. I mean, that's not wrong. She makes wings. <laughs> like, yeah. So anyway, let's talk about other. Let's talk about a different animated uh, superhero movie, uh, Into the Spider Verse. Um, I would have been surprised if you hadn't brought brought it up at all. Uh, yep. I personally, one moment in particular. Yeah, absolutely. Although there are, that's not to say there's a lot in this movie to to love. Um, the, the bagel style, joke. The bagel joke. That but see, like I love the, the bagel joke so much, the, which the I think a lot shot. of people have missed the bagel joke because it's, it's so, so subtle. Great. For those it's that so don't great. know what we're talking about, in Into the Spider Verse. When they steal the hard drive and Peter's just like, good news, you don't have to save the monitor, and chucks it. They're in the cafeteria, uh, Peter B. Parker picks up the bagel, he's about to eat it, 
and they're like, wait, you're not supposed to be here. They all aim the guns. They start running and Peter chucks the bagel over his shoulder and it hits mm-hmm. one of the attendants in the head. And it, when it does, it just says bagel and pop up text. And I'm like, that's so clever. I love it's that. So it's such a good sight gag. It um, is. But what's your moment? I'm curious to see if it's this, we have the same or not. So, but there's a lot of, t- there's a lot of moments like, when they're both finally swinging through uh, the forest, fantastic, beautiful, love it. Um, seeing the other universes, there are a lot of really cool scenes in those. Nicholas Cage. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Uh, I go but... wherever the wind takes me. <laughs> How is his cape still doing that? We're inside. Um, <laughs> um, I love the up it's a reverse shot when he okay, finally the takes yep. the, yeah finally takes the lead what's and up danger what's up danger baby uh and the glass breaks as he jumps as well because while he is taking the leap finally he's not fully committed he's not fully he's he's here he's gonna do it but there's still always going to be that little bit of reservation for him. And that's just my, but like, gosh, it's such a cool shot, especially when they pan out and you can see him. And fall. he's like, like oh, slow God. motion. He's slow motion. Oh. It's like falling, but he's rising to his destiny. Can't stop me now. And you're like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, you can't. Let's oh, go. So good. Uh, staying on the Spider-Man train. We're going to talk about one of Josh's most underrated movies of all time. The first amazing Spider-Man. Um, I will say, both the Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movies have fantastic cinematography. Like the opening shot of Amazing Spider-Man 2 when he falls from... Dude. Where is he falling from is my question. Um, so here's the qu- here's the thing though. Like after playing Spider-Man, like the video games are so often, you just swing up and fall from places all the time. Oh, yeah. So just because you can't. So I, I, I get it now. I would be lying if I said I didn't turn on Spotify when I'm playing spot when I'm playing that Spider-Man game. Go to the tallest building put the amazing spider-man skin on just to fall and get that dun, 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 dun. i do wish they had the amazing two spider-man two skin in the game Maybe i, I, in I the definitely next one. Pre- prefer that one. Oh yeah, uh, yeah i think the... we're getting the, the the weird i think we're getting the weirder skins next game and i'm really excited about it bring in the metallic one you cowards um, <laughs> yeah i don't i don't like the homemade basketball suit but the one i'm specifically talking about is the final shot of Amazing Spider-Man when he's swinging towards the camera and it's like a nice 3D effect. He's got the signature Spider-Man pose with the moon in the background. I'm like, ooh, that's Spider-Man. But also, I remember seeing it with my dad in 3D and it's one of the first and only times I go, oh, wow, that's actually 3D. Well done. Like, it was popping off the screen. It was such a cool shot. Either that or when he's in the little um the crane and he's like getting ready to do the slingshot thing. Yes. Like kind of steals a method from Luge basically and just <laughs> springs out and like oh that looks cool. But the final shot of Amazing Spider-Man or honorable mention No Way Home just the final 2 minutes in general just take your pick with those. <laughs> you can't. No, 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 right, no. Freeze it. Freeze it <laughs> yeah. when he's sliding on the rooftop with the snow and we finally get to see the suit for the first time. All right, all right. Or when all three Spider-Man are swinging together, that to me is the best. When the all three, when all three of them start swinging in sync, I was like, "Oh, this is something I didn't realize I needed." I was so against this, but now I I can't live without it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Going back to Amazing Spider-Man, 
Um, for me, I think my favorite shot in Amazing Spider-Man, the first one, is uh, when he is limping because he got shot in the leg uh, and and turns and he sees all the cranes moving. I love that. Are you kidding me? It I, makes no I, sense. I, it I doesn't care. make sense. How are care. they helping? How are they helping? Like, they're at least in a, I, they're trying to recreate the New York loves him like they did in the first Spider-Man. The only difference is that had more emotional resonance because it was right after 9-11. And also, they're actively throwing stuff at Green Goblin to distract him. If those cranes aren't there, he just webs the side of a building, which is already there. Like, <laughs> this isn't a big no, thing. No, this isn't no, a big no. payoff. They're not actually helping. They're just Don't like, we helped too. Sure. That's like putting your name on a group project and saying you did the work. They didn't actually do anything. I think what's crazy to me about the craziest thing is the guy, the dad or whatever that is like starts that whole thing. Um, first of all, the only thing I had seen him in before that movie was Criminal Minds. And he plays like a really terrifying killer. Like I was like, he's, is he bad? I don't get it. Is he going to kill somebody? What's going to happen here? Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, like I, I appreciate you acknowledging my amazing Spider-Man. It's cool. That cool shot. Now let's let's continue acknowledging Josh Yay! by acknowledging what was until recently his favorite MCU movie, Thor Ragnarok. Okay, it okay. was I'll your lie. favorite. I know Shang Chi is your yeah. favorite now. Oh yeah, absolutely. Thor Ragnarok. It's <laughs> not even that. It's not a conversation. That's not even a question. <laughs> Thor Ragnarok has one of the coolest shots of all time. When Thor realizes you're not the god of hammers, you're the god of thunder, and brings the whole lightning down, and then the yes. shot in particular is the slow-mo shot of all of the undead armies of Hela trying to crawl over themselves as Thor is, like, slowly descending down with Immigrant Song by Led Zeppelin playing in the background, you're just going... That's a gosh dang painting right there. That looks yes, like that looks like old school paintings of like armies going at a god because that's essentially what it is. And yeah. I remember in that moment going, "That's that's one of the coolest shots I've ever seen in the MCU." Because it doesn't look like something shot in the MCU. Because as much as I like the MCU, it doesn't always have the best cinematography. Yeah. It, it's very <laughs> pedestrian at times. Well, I have another moment that we'll talk about, but like that one in particular, I'm going, oh, did you accidentally let Zack Snyder on set for a day and he shot that? Because it's in <laughs> slow motion and it's a God shot and gosh, just Snyder love those. But that one shot, I'm going, oh, I love B Ragnarok. Yeah. But that that seals it right there. That's a that's a take your breath away moment. That's cool. That's a I see that shot. That's I like that nice moment. That's shot. a nice moment. <laughs> I uh it's crazy though, because like there's I agree with you though, because when talk thinking about the Marvel universe, there's not a lot of shots that immediately pop out to pop out to me. Um obviously one that I think we're both leading to that is like the culmination, but um there's a shot that like I don't know why it's, it's stuck with me for so long, but um in Black Panther, when Killmonger takes over and burns all the flowers and he's standing there in that temple like all on the flames like just like yeah like screw all of y'all I was like this is literally like I don't even that was the moment for me in the movie where I was like you know what I don't know what this means for the world but I don't care if Black Panther comes back 
Killmonger's my dude now. Like, I don't care. Like, I know he's a villain. I know, I know you he's weren't like, alone dude. in that. Yeah, like, he has so many good points and such an interesting character. Like, in that moment, see, I was like, oh, and he's cool? Okay, cool. Yeah, now nah, we're on blah, blah, board. Let's go. <laughs> I got two more. How many more you got? Uh, in total, two. I have one DC and one Endgame. I mean, Same. one Same. I wonder what Marvel movie you're talking about, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's the same moment. What's your Marvel moment? Uh, Endgame, obviously. It's the uh, when Cap is facing down Th- Thanos' army. That, same. That big wet, wet. It's impossible to not like that shot. It's such a cool shot. It it feels like a Renaissance painting at times. Like it just it's so cool. I know some people be like, oh, but like when Cap gets the hammer, yeah, that's a cool moment. But in terms of like basically personifying what makes captain america special and makes him the guy in the avengers is that shot of what i have liked to have seen i could hear i could do this all day when he's faced down thanos yes but i think that image basically tells that story without saying it of tightening the shield and seeing all these armies completely covered in darkness but seeing the one ray of light finally coming through because Okay, all seems lost, but there's still at least that little sliver of hope out there because Cap refuses to die and refuses to give up in that situation. They have the high ground, even. Like, it just looks bad for Cap. Don't do it, Anakin. I have the high ground. Portable high ground. ground. (laughs) Good. But that shot is so beautifully composed with colors, with the light source. It's, that's a that's a masterpiece right there going ooh, that's a gorgeous shot now i'm very curious to hear what your what your last one your dc one is oh yeah uh so real quick before we leave this that moment um it is one of the only shots i from the marvel universe that i would be willing to get a giant like poster of oh and gosh put it up yes. on my wall like i'm just thinking of like a big like five by ten of just like that's like, oh that's so gorgeous um anyway my final one um is not from any of the snyder movies because not because like those aren't pretty movies but they're just they don't they don't sit with me man he shoots well he shoots well yeah absolutely but the one that i continuously come back to and we talk about this movie fairly often um Batman Begins has a lot of really, really good shots. For me, it's the one where he discovers the the Batcave for the first time and holds the light up, and he's being and the bats are just swirling around him. Like to me, that is like peak Batman. I understand. Like, there's a lot of other really cool stuff in that movie. There's a lot of really cool stuff that happened in the Batman. Uh, but uh, this, like, to me seeing him like standing up in this like in things that would have made made him terrified before was such a cool moment i got like heavy heavy animated series vibes from that specific scene and that shot alone i was like yeah yeah i'm on board absolutely let's go so my last one is actually from a snyder movie because he does do some cinematography you'll understand why uh, it's from Man of Steel, actually. Not surprising. Okay. Because it's one specific shot that actually still gives me goosebumps every single time. Because I'll say this. While I don't like the story st- structure and s- 
important story choices that Snyder makes a lot of the times. I will say he casts movies incredibly well, except for Ezra Miller, which I'm clearly that was a horrible call and judgment. Uh, but I, I don't blame Snyder for that. I think he didn't understand that what kind of issues Ezra Miller would end up becoming. Um, but Henry Cavill as Superman is a darn good choice. And I really hope we see him someday. Um, and I feel like we will. But there's one shot in particular that's terrifying in terms of, holy crap, you got it right. And it's when um, the world ender is plopped in the middle of the ocean. And it's basically like, since it's from Krypton, it weakens Superman. So he's trying to fight against it and everything else. He's getting beat down. And he like has his arm up. He's struggling to get the energy to fly up. And we get a tight shot on Superman's face. And for a brief second, the pressure and the air is like distorting his face. For a brief second, if you pause it, the frame at just the right moment, Henry Cavill's face turns into Christopher Reeve's face. The actor that played the original Superman. It is terrifying how close he looks like Christopher Reeves in that moment. Most of the movie, he looks like its own separate Superman, like a new interpretation like it's supposed to be. Whether they did some digital touch-ups or whatever else, one specific second, if you pause it at the right moment, going, holy crap, that's Christopher Reeve. <laughs> you nailed this casting. And I still think they did acting wise they haven't fully nailed superman as a character but in that moment if you pause it just the right moment holy crap that's that's superman now i think that scene could have been done better if we got a pocket of narration in that moment going um you're gonna have to decide one what kind of man do you want to be clark good character or bad he's going to change the world there's some form of pocket narration i think mm -hmm. could have been better served in that moment but in that moment so cool of pause it at just the right second going he looks exactly like the other guy that's terrifying and cool at the same time yeah no i agree i completely agree uh there's a lot of stuff though in, in man of steel that's pretty pretty gorgeous to watch, look at um and that is definitely one of i definitely still feel like that should have been more of the like main like threat quote unquote that wasn't zod but you know we can have two giant robots that's fine whatever um but yeah like fantastic beautiful uh i will say i wouldn't be surprised if it was a digital touch-up and that was not an accident and they did that on purpose and just but whatever fantastic beautiful moment i love um cinematography more than i thought i did when we were making this list i was like and i at one point it was like approaching 30 30 scenes and i was like i can't i can't do this many i have to i have to like whittle it down there's no way uh gosh movies are gorgeous and it's one of the main reasons we watch them wow that's a surprise <laughs> yeah well, what did you guys think? What are some of your all-time favorite, like, snapshots from movies that just made you feel, that you felt like they told the story, they were just beautiful to look at, you'd set them as wallpaper, whatever else. Let us know in the comments below what you like hearing from you guys. If you like what you hear and you want to hear more, subscribe to us on whatever audio platform you're listening to us on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. 
And if you haven't already subscribed to us on YouTube, help us get to 700 subscribers. That's our goal for the end of the year. So help us get to 700 subscribers. And as always, stay sharp, movie guys and gals.